tonight we're looking at uh, peace. We've been looking at it all year. We can e- either live a life of peace or our life can fall to pieces. And so we're looking at the difference in what brings on one or the other. And so tonight we're looking at the title of Remorse Does Not Bring Us Peace. And we're going to look at remorse and see what it's all about. But we're going to look at an individual in particular and see how we get there. So Matthew 27, verse 1. That's where we begin tonight. Matthew 27, 1. The Bible says, Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people came to the decision to put people to put Jesus So all that night, they've had Jesus, quote-unquote, on trial, trying to find him guilty of something to bl- cause blasphemy so they could charge him with death, so they could put him to death, and then they would have to get the Roman people to do the execution because the Jewish people couldn't. Well, finally, morning has come, and they've reached a decision to put Jesus to death. So they bound him, led him away, handed him over to Pilate, the governor, because Pilate had to carry out the execution, which was done by crucifixion. Well, in verse 3, when Judas, one of the disciples, one of the apostles, one of the twelve, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse, and returned the 30 pieces of silver coins to the chief priest and the elders, those same ones who were now sentencing Jesus to death. So how did we get to this point? How did one of those 12 that Jesus had chosen himself come to the point that he turned Jesus over to the ruling authorities so that he could be executed, crucified, put to death? Well, just backing up a little bit and getting a little history on Judas and where this all came from, uh, in John 6 verse 7, Uh, 70, then Jesus replied, have I not chosen the 12? Yet one of you is the devil, he said. Jesus said, I've chosen 12 men. And we can name them all. They're all listed in the Bible. But he said, yet one of you is the devil. And he meant Judas Iscariot, though one of the 12 was later to betray him. So that's early in the ministry. That's early in the calling. Uh, Jesus said, yet one of you is the devil, and he's going to betray me. Well, Six days before the Passover, six days prior to the events taking place right here that we're reading about, six days prior to the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus was lived, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. She's praising Jesus, honoring Jesus, wiping the perfume on his feet, rubbing it in with his hair. They love Jesus, they respect Jesus, and they're glad to have him in their home, and they're showing him honor. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But then there's a but. But one of the disciples, yes, Judas Iscariot, who later was to betray him, objected objected to this. Why hasn't this perfume been sold and the money given to the poor? He yelled. It's worth a year's wages. We could have got a lot of money for this perfume and you just poured it all out on the floor and wasted it on his feet. And I object to this. Well, John, who was writing this, said this. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. He didn't really mean he was really caring about the poor people of the day, that we could have sold this, got a year's wages, given to the poor people, but because he was a thief. Six days before Jesus is arrested, John said he's a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas was the 
treasurer for the disciples. He kept the money bag. And wherever they got money from, whoever gave them money, he had a bag he'd carry around with him. And John noticed every time he looked around, from time to time anyway, that Judas was helping himself to the bag, getting money out of it for himself. And so John labeled him a thief early. And Jesus himself had already called him the devil. And what Jesus say in response to Judas when he said this? Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for my day of burial. And he said this, you'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me, he said. Well, another, then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? If I give Jesus over to you, what would you give me in return? So they counted out for him, how many? 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. At the Passover, as it was approaching, the chief priests and teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus. Those holy, righteous Sanhedrin that knew all the law, they're looking for a way to get rid of Jesus. For they were afraid of the people. That's why they wanted to get rid of Jesus. They were afraid of the people because people are going to Jesus and not coming to them. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priest, officer of the temple guard, and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money, as we already said, 30 pieces of silver. And he consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. So all of this stuff is just going on behind the scenes, underhanded, under the table as we call it today. Judas is, thief, is a thief, he's the devil, and he's scheming for a way to get some money to turn Jesus over to the authorities and betray him and have him executed. But now, he realized it's fixing to happen. He realized he had betrayed him. And he realized that Jesus was condemned. And he seized with remorse. So he goes back to those men that he'd gotten the money from and gave it back to them. I don't want this anymore. I've done the wrong thing. But I want us to look at that one word right there, seized with remorse. What is remorse? How does the Bible define remorse? When we read the New Testament here, how does the New Testament define remorse? It's defined as this, to change your mind. It meant that Judas had gotten the 30 pieces of silver from the authorities, betrayed Jesus, turned him in, and now that he's seeing that it's really fixing to happen, he changed his mind about it. Wait, I don't want to do this. It means to feel regret for what we've done. I wish I had not done that. You ever felt regret over something you said or something you did? Why did I do that? Why did I go there? Why did I say that? It means to feel sad for what we've done. I'm so sad about what I did. You know, why did I do that? You know, we feel sad over it. It means to feel sorry for what we've done. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't gone there. hadn't said that. Boy, I just feel so bad about it, so sorry about it. You know, and just kick a dog or, you know, do something because you're just sad and upset about it and, you know, just dragging around. And why did I do that? That's remorse. He was filled with remorse. But verse 4 comes along. He said, I've sinned. I've betrayed innocent blood. He's telling this to the authorities there that he's giving the money back to. And they ask him the question, well, what's that to us? So, what's the big deal? 
You betrayed innocent blood. We gave you money. You did your work. We did ours. Case closed. Done deal. Get out of here. That's your responsibility. They put it back on him. He's trying to put the responsibility back on them. Uh, I betrayed innocent blood. I want to give you the money back. Set him free. I didn't mean to do this. I shouldn't have. I feel remorseful about it. I'm sorry about it. I changed my mind. I got regret over it. I wish I hadn't done that. I'm sad about it. Not our responsibility. You made the choice. You made the decision. What's that old phrase about making your bed? You made your bed. Now you got to lie in it. You ever heard anybody say that? <laughs> ever tell you that? You know, we make bad choices, bad decisions sometimes, and then it's our responsibility to go through it and deal with it, not somebody else's. Well, that's what they were telling Judas. <laughs> you made your bed. Now you got to lie in it, Judas. Verse 5, so Judas threw the money into the temple and he left and he went out and hanged himself. Why would Judas do such a thing? He's with Jesus three and a half years. Saw the miracles, saw everything from healing to bringing him back from the dead to walking on the water, everything he saw. And he's right there with Jesus. Why would he, of all people, go out and hang himself over one word? And go back to it if you would, please. Remorse. He had remorse. He didn't have repentance. He had remorse. And that's what causes more suicide today than anything else in the world. Remorse over what I've done. And rather than going and making it right with God and making it right with other people, I don't make it right with anybody. I just changed my mind. I wish I hadn't done that. I feel regret over what I've done. I feel sad for what I've done. I feel sorry for what I've done. But I don't go and make it right. I don't tell anybody. I don't go to God and say, Lord, forgive me of. I don't do anything but say, poor, pitiful me. And we just drown in our remorse and we get deeper and deeper into it until we don't know what else to do but to take our life. And that's what takes more lives today through suicide than anything else is remorse. As a person looks back over their life, whether it's a day, a week, a month, or years, they look at all the things that have happened in their life that they've done to bring this stuff on themselves. I wish I hadn't done that. All those things that have happened in my life, I wish I hadn't done all those things. I just regret doing all those things. I feel sad about all those things. I'm sorry for what I've done. But rather than making it right with God, and making it right with other people. They don't make it right with anybody. And so the remorse overcomes them and overwhelms them, and they become just like Judas there in verse 27, chapter 27, verse 5. We throw our life down, and we kill ourselves. It happened to Judas, and it happens today too. So what's the solution? What's, see, that, that remorse doesn't bring us any peace. Our life simply just falls to pieces over remorse because we're sorry over something, we wish I hadn't done something, we feel sad about something, uh, we're just upset about it, we're distraught, we're disturbed. And so that brings us not peace, but our life falls to pieces, just like it did with Judas. So how can we bring peace out of something we've done, like Judas, what could he have done instead of hanging himself? What could he have done, rather than having filled with, with remorse and it all leading to his death, what would have been something better that he could have done? And we have to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. I'm skipping some, y'all, so follow with me. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See, Judas understood the last part. 
He understood worldly sorrow that brought him death. He was sorrowful over what he had done. He had remorse over what he had done. He wished he hadn't done it, had regret over it, and he didn't know anything else to do but to die. Well, the opposite of that that would have brought him peace is the first part, godly sorrow. Lord, I am sorry for what I've done. I'm coming to you with it. I'm coming to you with repentance. And that leads to salvation. Salvation meaning to be rescued. And then we don't have regrets. See, when we go to God and say, Lord, here's what I've done. Uh, I broke this valuable piece of furniture here. I, I broke it. I, I did it. I broke it. I'm sorry that I did it. And what I need to do is either repair it or buy another one or fix it. And would you forgive me for breaking it? And, and Lord, would you forgive me for causing this problem of, of breaking something like that? And so I, I go to the people that I need to make it right with and I go to God that I need to make it right with. I have repentance over what I've done. And now I don't have regret because God forgives me. And you forgive me because I confessed what I've done. And you forgive me over it. We're going to fix it. We're going to take care of it. I'm going to buy another one or whatever I've got to do. And so all of the things that are happening here, this godly sorrow, why did I do that? I shouldn't have. Lord, forgive me of doing that. That leads to repentance. I won't do it again. At least salvation, the rescuing, and now I have no regret. Because what Jesus does now, once I repent, turn from sin, Jesus reaches down and says, come on, get up. Don't, don't lay in your sorrows. Don't lay in your remorse. Don't lay in your guilt and your regret. Come on and get up. Now that you've been forgiven, now that you've been saved, now that you've been set free, now that you're released from this bondage of regret and remorse, i got something for you to do now. Now come on, let's go. But too many times we get locked in down here in our remorse and our regret. Look at poor pitiful for me. I'll never amount to anything. I'll never be any good for Jesus. He can't use me now. You know, look at my life, what I've done. And he says, wrong. <laughs> I can still use you. Remember a guy named David? Let's see, what what did he do? Uh, which time? <laughs> Something about a woman? Yeah. Committed adultery. Stayed home. He should have been leading his army on the battlefield. That was the first problem. He didn't go to war when he was supposed to. He stayed at home. Sent the generals out. Y'all go out. I'm the commander-in-chief. I'm staying at home. I have a right to do that. And all through the Bible said, no, you don't either. You have the right to be out there on the battlefield. And so he stayed home, went up on the rooftop, saw a lady, liked what he saw. You know the rest of the story. Yet he didn't linger in his remorse. He didn't linger in his regret. He didn't kick the dog and say, I'm sorry for what I did. He went to God and confessed the whole thing. And he went to God and agreed with God that what he did was sin and agreed with God that I repent of that, I turn from that. And God said, you're going to still pay for your sins, but come on, let's go. you got stuff to do. Let's move forward. And all through the Bible, we find people like that. But even more than that, we find it today too in people like us because we do things that are wrong. We go to places we shouldn't go. We say things we shouldn't do. We do things, you know, all that. But where do we go with it then? Do we stay in that remorse and that guilt and that regret and that sorrow and that sadness and we just linger there and God's saying, 
repent, come on, get out of that, let's move forward. And then we say something like, I can't. I'm not able. Yes, you can. Repent. Let's make it right. Ask me to forgive you. Repent. Turn from it. Let me say, you know. And it's just trying to get us to move on and pick up where we left off and let's go. And that's how life works with Jesus. It doesn't in this world. In this world says, you're, you know, can't use you now. You're not good for anything. You look what you've done. Look what you, where you've been. And, but this one verse right here changes everything about remorse. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Too many people I've seen in their last days of life have regrets over what they've done, where they've been, things that have happened in their lives, and they didn't make it right with God. We don't want regrets. We don't want to live with regrets. We want to go to God and say, Lord, here's my life, here's my sorrow, my godly sorrow, and I want to repent of that. And I want to get lifted up from where I am right now and move on to where you want me to be. Otherwise, we come to death. And so we go to that word repent, make sure we understand that. It means change our mind. Well, that sounds like remorse, doesn't it? But wait a minute. <laughs> means change our mind, but also to change our way. See, with Judas, he wasn't changing his way. He just changed his mind. I shouldn't have done that. Well, make your way right. Go find Jesus and make it right with him. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm too embarrassed. I can't, you know. So repent means change your mind, change your way, and change our life as a result of the complete change of thought and attitude about sin and righteousness. We take on a whole new outlook on what sin is. Oh, sin is going against what God wants. Sin is going against what God says. Sin is disobedience to God and His Word. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> okay, whatever God says don't do, then I don't do that. And so I have this whole new outlook, whole new change, whole new thought, whole new attitude about sin, but also a whole new attitude about righteousness. Oh, God wants me to do this. If I do this, I'm righteous, I'm holy, I'm like Him. I become whole and right with Him. Yeah, then that's what I need to start doing. And so we take on a whole new attitude, a whole new outlook on life and sin and righteousness, and we turn around and we turn from and we leave it behind us and we move on. That's repent. That's not remorse. Remorse doesn't do all that. Remorse just says, I changed my mind. I wish I hadn't done that. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sad I did that. Repent says, I changed my mind about sin, about righteousness, and I move around, I turn around, I walk away from it, I lay it down, it's done, it's settled, it's over with, it's buried back there, it's at the foot of the cross. And that's where we get repentance. And that's why that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Now, let's go to 1 John 1 9. <clears throat> if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what we want to make sure we do, this is for the Christian. Chapter 1, verse 9 is for the Christian. John is writing to us as Christians in chapter 1, verse 9, because every now and then, every once in a while, you might sin. I know that, I know that's, <laughs> you don't even, me, <laughs> seriously, you think I'm going to sin? No. That's what Bubba's saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but every now and then, every once in a while, we might sin. What do we do 
if we do sin as a Christian? Do we have that remorse over what we did? And we have that regret over what, where we went? Do we have that remorse over what we said and all those things? And we linger there. We stay there. Changed my mind. I shouldn't have done that. Now I'm sad and upset and disturbed over it. And I hurt somebody's feelings and made somebody mad. And I ran them off. And what am I going to do now? I just, you know. And then we do it again. And again, it just keeps driving us further and further down in ourselves until we become like Judas one day. But if we confess our sins, do we have the word, yeah, have the word confess, don't we? Confess. It doesn't mean you go to somebody and say, hey, you know what I did? I ran over your dog. Sorry, I didn't mean to, but <laughs> just thought I'd let you know. In case you're wondering who did it, I did it, yeah. To admit and agree with God that what He calls sin, we call sin. That's confession. That's one nine. If we confess our sins, Lord, I admit my sin. Here's what I did. And I agree with you, God, that what you call sin in your word, that's what I call sin. That's confession. Sometimes we get that all kind of mixed up a little bit. I need to go to somebody and confess what I did and sorry for what I said, wish I hadn't, but I did. And I just want to confess with you what I said. And we leave it there. That's not confession. Confession says, I admit what I did. I agree with God at sin. And what he calls sin, I'll call sin. Therefore, the repentance comes in. I change my mind about that sin because I'm turning from it, walking away from it, putting it behind me, asking the Lord, forgive me. I'm moving forward. And it's in the past. We're done. And it's over with. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Let's go back to one nine. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins when we ask him to. Lord, here's what I've done. I agree with you with sin. I need your forgiveness. He will do that. But though, wait, there's one more part in it. And he'll purify us of it. He'll wash it out of us. He'll cleanse us. He'll move it along. And it's not there anymore. See, we leave that part out so many times. Well, I repented of it. I turned from it. Why do we keep doing it over and over? We're not purified yet. God says, when I forgive you, after you confess and agree with me at sin, I forgive you. Uh, uh, make it right with you and me. We're, we're right. We're good. Come on, let's go. But also, I'm going to purify you of it. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to move it out of your life to where it's not just lingering there, holding on to you, keep it on, going back and over, back over, back over. Therefore, we got remorse, you see. It's going over and over and over. We got remorse. Boy, I did it again. <laughs> there I'll go again. That's remorse, you see. I'm sad about it. I'm upset about it. I wish I hadn't done it, but I did it. There's nothing in here about remorse. It's all about repentance. So, one more word. What is regret? Judas had a regret. His regret was no repentance. He wished he had not done what he did. He wished he had not taken that silver do- those silver dollars. He wished he had not betrayed Jesus. He wished he hadn't turned him in, but he did. And he regretted it, but he did not repent. Those are two totally different concepts in the Bible. And so finally, we see that Judas had remorse over what he did, but he did not have repentance, so it could have no peace, and therefore he hanged himself. What a tragic ending to a life that didn't have to end that way. What happened after that? Matthew 27, 7 says, So they decided to use the money. He, he threw the silver back to them. He threw the coins back to them. So what did they do with the money? They decided to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. 
That's why it's been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 silver coins, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. And so it had all been prophesied. And then in Acts chapter 1, you find that uh, they're now one short of a 12 disciples. They need to get another one. And so they're deciding how they go about this. And it said about Judas, Scripture had to be fulfilled with the Holy Spirit spoke about uh, through the mouth of David concerning Judas who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He, he was a guide for Jesus. I mean, for the, those who arrested him. Hey, you want to find Jesus? I'll show you where he is. Come follow me. He's out here. He was a guide for them. He showed them where Jesus was. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. That's a quote from Old Testament. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field which the Pharisees paid for. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language a field of blood. And for Peter, he said, it's written in the book of Psalms, may this place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, may another take his place of leadership. And Judas' life ended that way. And the memory of his life ended that way. And so... What's so good about remorse over what we've done? Nothing. It brings us no peace. We just feel sad. We just feel sorrow. I hate what I did, but I don't make it right with the person that it happened to, and I never make it right with God. It's now just get lower and lower in myself because things keep happening over and over and over, and it only leads to death. There is no peace in remorse. Our life simply falls to pieces. The only way we find Peace in what we've done is through repentance. Agreeing with God this is sin. Turning from my sin, asking God to forgive me of my sin, and letting Him save me and rescue me from my sin, and just picking up and walking on, putting it behind me. And it's done. It's over. I don't go back and pick it up. I don't get it again. I'm through with it. And that brings peace. We get set free from it. It's not a bondage to us anymore. It's not holding on to us anymore. We don't have a chain around us anymore because Jesus took it off of us. Which do we have tonight? Remorse or repentance?